This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Support for the Terrace Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. But there's big news. I've told you before about Manscaped's Weed Whacker, getting rid of those little hairs in your nose. I've told you before about the Manscaped Lawnmower. Yes, doing perfect business downstairs when you want to be nice, fresh, trim, but not nicking anything and, you know, causing yourself any undue pain. Well, now, in order to complete the Manscaped collection, they have released a cologne to help you feel good and smell good at all times. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Now, let me tell you about this cologne. Manscaped describes it as light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. And I have to say... I agree with that. I uh, tried the cologne. I tried. Is that the right way to say the cologne? I, I wore the cologne. I sprayed the cologne. I, I, I put the cologne on myself the other day. My wife noticed the fact that I was wearing cologne and she said that I smelled very nice. Now you were saying, yeah, Craig, come on. Your wife's going to tell you, you you smell nice regardless of whether this new cologne smells nice or not. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. You do not know my wife. My wife will tell me if I smell like shit. And she said I smelled nice. So that is a, a thumbs up from Ariane Robertson right there. And she is somebody that is honest as the day is long. It's got the thumbs up from her. It's got the thumbs up for me. And I think you would like it as well. So if you'd like to try out this new cologne, then you could do so. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use Terrace to look good, feel good, smell good with Manscaped. Welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Tony Anderson, and I feel very blessed tonight because this this wasn't actually, this wasn't by design that this happened, but funnily enough, I'm being joined by probably the two best people from the podcast for what are sort of Scottish football's hottest stories. So I've got on one side, Craig Anderson, Mr. Kilmarnock, how are you? 
I'm good, Tony, and I think you could have just stopped at the two best people from the podcast. Um, it would have been been a much preferable uh, introduction. And we'd have been correct as well, as I'm also joined by Mr Aberdeen, Mr Thomas Watt. Thank you very much for having me. It's almost like we should probably think about these things and line the people up who's, who are best qualified to talk about them. But that, where's the fun in that? Yeah, because... The, um, the stars have aligned tonight. <laughs> yes, they have, because I think that is very true. This hasn't been by design. This is just <laughs> the usual Fowler on a on a Saturday or a Friday putting out there who's available when. And funnily enough, it was Craig and yourself that were available. And I thought that is so perfect because obviously we've got Tommy Wright's first game last night as Kilmarnock manager. And I think it's fair to say probably one of the hotter topics in Scottish football at the moment is Aberdeen. So tonight we're going to be going over the two games from last night and then I'm going to be inviting Tom to really deep dive into Aberdeen's current situation, how he feels about it and sort of Derek McInnes and the club as a whole. So strap in. But we are going to start at Rugby Park and that is with Craig Anderson. So Tommy Wright. Craig, how did you feel when he was announced? Uh, pleased, I think. I, um, I did a podcast, a Patreon, um, so spend your money if you wanted to hear that, um, with Craig Fowler. We while back, just after Alex Dyer had left, and, and he was the person I'd kind of pinpointed as, as who I wanted as a manager. So ultimately, they, they went and got it done in just over a week, so you can't really argue with that. Um, I think I'd kind of said he... I think the current Kelly squad is not a million miles away in terms of the type of players that are there as to what he had at St Johnston, what he built when he took over at St Johnston. Um, a lot of kind of solid pros, a lot of a lot of quite adept footballers, but probably players who are maybe maybe there's maybe a lack of creativity in the squad. And I think his St Johnston squads that was probably always what you could have levelled at them. Um, so I'm hoping he knows how to get the most out of these players based on last night. It looks like he does. Um, it looks like he's 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 immediately been able to get something out of them. So, yeah, I was pleased. And um, just as a curiosity, because it's, it's a nice uh, a nice thing, he's, he was born on exactly the same day as Steve Clark, so that gets him extra brownie points as well. <laughs> Perfect. And to be fair, we were talking about this off here, Craig, he's looking he's looking pretty well, isn't he? Yes, he's... Uh, he looked at what he said in an interview. He'd walked the length of the Sahara during lockdown because the headline was something about he's walking the Sahara, and I was like, "How the hell have you managed to do that?" And most of us can't even get to the end of our street. Um, but he, he was saying it was with his, uh, you know, he'd, he'd got like a Fitbit and uh, he'd measured how much walking he'd been doing because he'd been hoping in the time off between leaving St Johnston when he left originally to go around clubs, kind of observe how they do their coaching, all the, the usual stuff that um, that a lot of out of work, a lot of out-of-work coaches who have a commitment to their trade will do, which is, you know, see what's going on, keep on top of things. He was obviously unable to do that with all the restrictions, so he said he'd been doing a lot of walking and, and he'd lost two stone, and he does look good. And, and I also think he may have had a bit of the, uh, the old just for men in his hair, because his hair's, uh, he, all the grey seems to have vanished. I'm sure it'll be back soon enough if, uh, from from uh, having to coach the three strikers we've got. <laughs> He's... Um... I think it, it just seemed like the the most obvious appointment. Tom, did, were you never in any doubt that Tommy Wright would be the guy that was going to Kilmarnock? It's 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 a very sensible appointment. It's a very good. Like, I mean, for for any team, for any team that that 
finds themselves down at the bottom of the table, there's obviously an immediate reaction to just just start getting results and we'll figure it out. And I'm not going to, you know, everyone knows who who these kind of managers are. Tommy Wright is not that sort of manager. Like I, 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 it may well, given the run of fixtures that they've got, it may well have to get worse before it gets better. But ultimately, you feel that it will get better, and Tommy Wright will be there in a year's time, and he will have built on what he had. It's not just get us out of trouble now. It's a you know, it's for the next couple of years, and you can. He's got a track record. He's got a track record of, of, of working with a minimal budget, a small squad, and like Craig says, the kind of players that he's inherited who, yes, they're light on creativity, but th- there are good players there. I think that, and, and I think although that they, they lost the game at Motherwell, uh, against Motherwell last, last night, um, you could see immediately there was a difference in in the, 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 the points of attack. Now, I think... Uh, largely this season if Chris Burke's not been on 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 his game and there's not been anything going into like Nicky Kamamba you it, that's basically been plan A and, and plan B and sometimes both rolled into one immediately you could see last night there was an awful lot more from the fullbacks like Aaron McGowan in particular had his best game in a, in a long time they took a hundred more touches of the ball than they did in the St Mirren game. They played sixty more passes than they did in the St Mirren game. Fifty percent more tackles than the St Mirren game, and it looked like a slightly higher line already. There was an awful lot more to like. There was an awful lot more personality in it. That it, it it felt like a team that thought they were going to score, which seems a daft thing to say because they didn't. But immediately there there was a. It was like a collective sigh, a collective breath, and everybody seemed to know what they were doing a little bit more than than certainly what I've seen. And, and Craig's better qualified to talk about this than than I certainly am. But um, it's a very good appointment, and I think that the important thing is not it's not a knee jerk appointment. It's not just get us out of trouble now. This is you know hopefully building for the next couple of years for Kelly. It was like perfect time and it was a perfect time for Kilmarnock to sort of move on from Adger because Tommy Wright was sitting there and you always got the feeling that someone was going to take him very soon. So whoever would sort of bite the bullet and get rid of a manager in the next sort of month or two, he was definitely going to be top of the list. So I think timing is a really important thing for Kilmarnock there. I am just trying to get the the sort of vision of Tommy Wright sort of, I've got a vision of like Captain Tom now just running up and down his garden, walking the, the Sahara <laughs> Desert. I, I really can't get that image out. But Craig, before we, like going back to the actual game that we say, he made a couple of changes. I see that um, Rossi was dropped and Medley was brought in. I can't say I know much about Medley. Talk me through it. So, I mean, Medley's first game was against Marin at the weekend. Um, I can understand why Medley was given the nod. He's, I think he's left-sided or I think he's left-sided. He... Um, is quick, he moves out with the ball, he tries to kind of come out with the ball, and so there's a bit of a similarity to Stuart Findlay, but I think at the moment he's more like the Stuart Findlay that we had on loan from Celtic the first time around, where he was um, not the best, he, he was very rash, he went after a lot of balls that went there and he got dragged out of position quite a lot, and you can see from Medley, I think he'll be a good player, I think he's, you can. I can immediately kind of assess He's got something about him, especially with the pace that's there. But ultimately, probably, I I would have worries if we had him until the end of the season um, playing there. Um, oh, maybe Wright will get more out of him than, than we've seen in these two games. 
Rossi's probably been over the last since, since Broadfoot and Finlay have been out. He's been the best of the three centre halves that we've we've been picking, but he's quite slow. So I think he wanted Dickamona and um, Dickamona and Medley to play together because they're both a bit quicker and they're both better with the ball. Um, and I think that's ultimately what he went for. And, and you could, we weren't exactly troubled a great deal by Motherwell last night. Um, they, they didn't create loads of chances, but I would say most of the time when a chance was created, Medley was probably the one who was slightly more at fault. I, I wouldn't pin too much blame on him for the goal because it, it's just the, the whole team getting caught out. Um, McGowan goes after a ball that I don't think he needs to go for, so it's a, um, a big switch from the right back. Motherwell were, um, you know, that they were quite patient in their build up and. McGowan goes after, goes to attack. I think it's Carroll um, because there's a high ball coming in and he obviously thinks he can win the header so he goes after it. He sprints 40 yards to take the header and he does get the header but it comes down to decision making for me and it's even if you win that header, what are you achieving by doing it? And I don't think he achieves a great deal. Even even if he, you know, he just glanced out of the park, gave him a throw in. Even if he gets it 30 yards down the park, all he's doing is giving it to a different Motherwell player in possession because it's not going to kill a player. And then what happens is just his momentum takes him into into the uh, other half and he's immediately sprinting back, but the whole team's caught out of shape. Motherwell take a quick throw and fair play. It's a fantastic uh, pass from Tony Watt. The weight on the pass is, is immaculate and a great finish from, from Campbell. And so that's, that's the one piece of quality I think we saw in the game. Um, and... We're unpicked, and, and that's what what Watt's capable of as well. But but from a Kelly point of view, the defense looked more solid. It just I I thought I I totally I liked your analysis of that, of that goal because it like you're saying it was just so little reward for such a high risk of coming so far out of position. There there was there was so little to gain from it. But maybe that this comes down to to a new manager, maybe trying to to impress, making sure they're pressing the ball. I don't know, is, are, am I reading too much into that? No, no. I mean, I think something I identified as like came last last night in particular, but you know, the last few weeks. But he just came to four last night, as Tom said, because we were trying to get a lot more crosses into the box from from all angles. Partly down to the quality of the crosses, but the amount of the times that we couldn't attack crosses, we attack crosses really badly. So if and and you can't you you can coach that, but ultimately none of our three strikers are are going to throw themselves and and score lots of headers or anything. I don't think that's any of their games. None of our strikers are goal scorers. So if you want to work around that, because we're probably not going to sign another one, we well, have to get the best out of what you've got. And what we've always been good at winning the ball high up the park, pressing high up the park, making the opponents make mistakes, capitalising on the mistakes. And that means your striker isn't always the one scoring the goal because he's maybe the one pressing the fullback or whatever it is, but you're creating opportunities and openings. So what McGowan's doing in isolation, or, or sorry, in the bigger picture, that's what you want him to do. You want him to go after balls, press people, make them make mistakes. It's just that one individual incident. I think he has to be smarter in terms of what are we going to achieve from it and I've been critical of McGowan but like Tom said he was good last night um, he put a lot of crosses in he was getting up and down the park but it's just that I think it's that part that's always I've felt has been the problem with his game is he's just he's a bit more rash and a bit more like uh, play, like playground football type fullback rather than having much kind of finesse to his game would it would it be fair to say that you would expect maybe Millen to come in if we're going to continue down this road? If if Tommy Wright was there a huge difference in terms of crossing? Is is that fair to say that Kamarnik were 
across him much more than they than they were previously under Dyer in this one match specifically. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of crosses under Dyer as well. Um, I think yeah, I've always felt it's kind of that thing about Dave, David Moyes at Man United when they were putting in about 100 crosses a game or <laughs> yeah. whatever the stat was. But there was definitely a difference in the terms that there was a lot of... Um, we worked the crosses a lot better. The, the quality of the crosses was higher or the quality of the positions we were crossing from was higher because there seemed to be a lot more patterns in terms of actually getting into, you know, positions where the player, player who was crossing the ball didn't have a defender in front of him had worked the space either with a one-two or getting into a different shape or the striker helping him out or whatever it may be, the quality cross higher. In terms of Ross Millen, given what's been kind of going on in the background and his dad obviously um, being sacked or losing his job as well, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him again um, on that basis. Um, I think just... I I have not been kind of keeping an eye on the situation, but I think um, Andy Millen... Um, started to get a bit ratty with some supporters and I think Ross kind of got involved in that a little bit after a game. Now, I don't know how that happens when there's nobody there at a game, but this was that was a story I saw and I think there's maybe just a sense of we probably won't see him, so I'd guess it would be McGowan until the end of the season, which is fine. I mean, I, there's, there's not a, to me, there's not a great deal between the two players. Yeah, so it's just, just obviously because Millen crossing seemed to be like one of his sort of main attributes. So I was wondering if that was something that um, Wright would, would jump into. Uh, moving into to Motherwell, Tom, how how silly does, is Gallagher starting to look? Because, um, I mean, they, we've got the rumours of it being an injury, but by all accounts, there seems to be maybe other things afoot for the reason he's not playing. But since that's happened, Motherwell seemed to be really, really solid and that same got three wins in four now. Yeah, they, they definitely look an awful lot more solid and I think it was an interest... And the way that they've, they've approached each game has been different. Um, I don't know whether... I, I'm not sure whether we'll see Gallagher and and um, when and where we, we shall see Gallagher, but he's certainly, you know, e- either he's taking a risk with... Um, he's certainly taking... If there's anything to any of these stories, he's certainly taking a risk with a number of aspects of his career, which would be very daft considering whether we'll do actually seem to be moving in the right direction. There was an awful... And what I think... What's been impressive about them so far in in three of the matches is the way that they've approached the each game. Um, you know they've they've uh, they've sat deep and and been patient against Rangers. They, they, and in, in this match they were they, they didn't have control of the game at, at, at no point did I feel like Motherwell had control of the game. I think. And that that largely is credit to Killian. I think the the Kilmarnock midfield were were very very good. But when they broke and when they had an opportunity uh, to get the ball, especially to Tony Watt, who who was like just put in so much work, everything positive that was coming from Motherwell was going through was going through him. I mean, he, he was the only one that was. Um, he was the only one that was moving the ball at the pitch. He was the only one that was dribbling the ball and and, and running with it. When there was that opportunity. They were they were looking dangerous there, and I think what what's been what's been encouraging from their point of view is that they've been able to show a, a few different strings to their bow, which when when you're in the run of form that they, they they were in, and I, I mean it's it's almost been a different team every week that looks like the doomed one, but they certainly looked for a couple of weeks like the doomed one to be able to play a few different sorts of football in a few different styles in a very quick with a very quick turnaround does suggest to me they will be more than comfortable 
Yeah, in short, yeah, Gallagher's looking a bit daft at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting to... If, I mean, looking at Motherwell for Alexander, uh, one thing that was really positive for me is, is going back to the goal. Um, obviously, Tony Watt does does great to hold it up. He protects the ball well. And like Craig was was mentioned earlier, the weight on the pass is, is ridiculous. But just looking at the, 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 the makeup of the midfield here, uh, you've got Alan Campbell, uh, Crawford and Maguire in there. And obviously Crawford was, people thought of him as sort of replacement for Campbell while he was injured, a sort of backup in there. But what's what's great is sort of seeing how much um, responsibility Campbell took yesterday for, for that goal. Because when you've got that midfield, when you look at it, which looks more like a, a midfield that would go away from home in, in the Scottish Premiership without maybe Polworth in there, uh, Campbell took the responsibility and, and sort of pushed forward into the box and, and with an excellent finish and him making the run and doing that. But um, it's ho- hopefully a return to, to form for Alan Campbell because at the start of the season, I think we remember he, he was able to do anything, was, wasn't he, Craig? Yeah, yeah um, I think he, he's uh, he's such a good player, Campbell, and he's one of those, he's, he's still young and you forget how young he is. I think that's kind of one of the things that you... He's kind of recaptured. He's going to have these dips in form, but at some point, because when you're a good player, you're going to recapture it. And, and you've started to see that in the last few weeks. And I think Alexander's getting the best out of him. So I think the way they're playing at the moment is quite it's quite high energy, quite high tempo. It's quite aggressive. And that's exactly what he wants to do. But unlike Robinson, where I think the, the aggression kind of, again, as it, as it often did at spells during his time there, trumped everything else there's still an aspect of that they were playing a lot more kind of uh, passing football they were very reluctant to kind of get hit it long which means the ball's not flying over Campbell's head so which means he's getting involved in in, in the play and I think often when you're a midfielder like he is you, if you're involved in the play and you're taking lots of touches you start to grow into a game and you start to be able to get a feel better for kind of making those kind of runs whereas if the ball's just flying over your head you just feel a bit lost um, and that was the thing I think he you can see the cutaway from the goal he's 20 yards behind Gary Dicker when the throw-in gets taken now now Dicker I'm not, I'm not necessarily criticising Dicker because Dicker as all of our team did gets drawn towards the ball um, because it looks like the danger's going to front post but Campbell's the one who makes a clever run kind of away from everyone and it's that kind of little bit that late run is a thing that I didn't necessarily see in his, his armoury but he seems to be developing as a player under Alexander and that's what you want to see we've always kind of heard about how, how hard working he is and things like that and so having the hard working comes down to you know yeah training keeping fit but also it comes down to learning new skills and I yeah I think his attitude means he'll be a much better player than someone else who could come into the team at 18 with the same level of ability absolutely and then um... Going back to the defensive issues, uh, well, the sort of defensive positives at Motherwell, it's um, with Gallagher leaving, it's uh, talking about someone else who's taking huge responsibility. McGabby's seem to be going for strength to strength. And even yesterday, uh, am I right in thinking it was his long raking pass that created the the opportunity for the throw-in? Uh, and that seemed to actually be a feature of the game because I saw him make quite a few like these like sort of long raking passes from centre and they didn't all come up. But he, again, the sort of responsibility he seems to be taking aerially to, to, to defend crosses and then on top of that, taking the ball out. It, it's like a, a different player almost, uh, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, nobody in the nobody in the no, no outfield player in the Motherwell team played more passes than than McGabby and. 
it it definitely seemed to be a uh, by design that he was playing long diagonals. Uh, it, he's definitely been one who has really grown into. I mean, very early days, but he's definitely been one who's really seems to have grown into um, what Alexander's trying to do there and how that system fits. And I think credit to them because I think if you've gone back to there was a there was an awful lot of talent there. I mean, there still are an awful lot of talented players there that are not in the team for because they either weren't performing or or for you know for one reason or another. It's a very good bench, put it that way. And Mugabe, I think, has had to be patient to find exactly how he fits into that. I think that last night his passing was his range of passing was good. He was almost doing those sort of quarterback style passes quite a lot, uh, quite quite frequently by design, as I say. And um, I, I think he led Motherwell in both passes and clearances. So yeah, a, very, a, a hugely positive game for him. And before we move on, lastly, Craig, I just want to talk to you about Kilmarnock one more time. Just where do you? Where do you see this going? Uh, do you think Kilmarnock are going to end up safe? Because, I mean, this, we've got the new manager in and it was a much better performance, but ultimately it was a sixth defeat on the bounce. Um, do you believe that Kilmarnock will get out, of the, get out of trouble here? Yes, I've got faith. It, it doesn't mean it will definitely happen, but I'm, I'm certainly more positive after last night than I was kind of watching the game in St Mirren at the weekend, which was which was, was a, a real low. Um I think there was enough to see, to like about that performance. The tempo was so much higher. I think Tom hit the nail on the head. He was talking about the, um, you know, the, there being a bit of character to the performance. You could see what the manager was trying to do. You could see there was work on how to plan angles of attack, how to actually get into the box, how to actually create chances. It doesn't happen overnight, um, you know, but we were starting to see, for example, the ball coming into Kabamba's feet a lot more around the box and he was getting into nice wee positions just down the sides of the box and laying things off and all that. And you're like, right, that's that's something that's been worked on. Um, Kelty was dropping into really nice spaces. There was a lot to like about the performance. Scoring goals is still going to be the issue, but I kind of talked to you a little bit maybe ways around that. The, the next two games are, are probably games that you... You, not quite right off, but they're going to be very hard to get points in. It's, it's um, Rangers away and Aberdeen away. Not two teams... Well, Ibrox is, um, is not somewhere we've had a lot of success, um, especially recently, and, and nobody has. And, and Aberdeen is just a, a bogey team for us. So in some senses, there is, there is, I'd never like to hear things described as free hits because you're in a relegation battle. You need to get all the points you can get. But if Wright is trying to work on developing things without too much pressure, then these two games give them the chance to do that. And it means, you know, I have a sense that after those two games, um, we'll probably be in the bottom two, because I would expect... I think I think uh, County have actually got quite hard fixtures, but there's a chance Hamilton could get enough to get above us by then. Um, but after that, the remaining eight games are all against bottom six teams. And so then you're just looking at, right, well, can you win four or five of them in... I don't know if we can, but it's certainly more. I'm certainly more positive that we could than I would have been um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I, I feel a bit of positivity. It's been last night. I mean, Burke, I thought, was absolutely superb last night. Just his work great and his ability, I think, even if it's not just crossing and getting him closer to Kibamba and in around the box, he's got he's got a finishing technique in him to, to score the goals. And yeah, I know that Kilty was taken off later on in the game after probably being the most dangerous and he went with Oakley uh, later on and they started putting more and more of those crosses in the box but 
I certainly think that there's more than enough at Kilmarnock, personally. I, I, I think Kilmarnock will get yeah. out of it. No the other thing is, if if the worst comes to the worst and we end up in you know in eleventh, like I'm I'm more happy that with this squad that with this manager that you might have a a good chance of beating the championship team. Whereas I I'm not sure I would have said that about um about us previously. So even if the worst comes, to, I mean the obviously the absolute worst coming to the worst is finishing bottom. But if if we can avoid that, even if we do end up in the playoff, there's at least something to think. Well, we've got a chance here. We'll talk us on having a chance. St Mirren, we all thought they might have had a chance after they defeated Celtic at Parkhead a couple of weeks ago, but uh, after a scintillating, I'm going to say scintillating, I'm putting it out there, second half performance from Celtic, um, they went on and carried out a 4-0 demolition of St Mirren. So, Tom, where, where did it, where, let's start with Celtic, where, where did it go right for Celtic last night? Uh, about the 70th minute. Um, it, it was a it was a very weird kind of it was a it was very weird four 0 like on yeah. one hand and I think the the positive the big positive for Celtic is that in the last twenty minutes especially I think it's the first time this season that they looked like they were enjoying themselves on a football pitch at least um, the first I mean they they got a few breaks that you know the the um, Tom Rogic puts them ahead very early on. The their first half was incredibly slack, and you know there's that there's that saying that trying the same things and at uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, they pretty much did exactly as they did a couple of weeks ago. They set up in a similar way, slightly different personnel, and they did get a very different result. It was almost like you're playing football manager and you lose and you rage quit and you play exactly the same way again, but this time you win four nil. Um, the first half in particular, they they were they were slack and they did again. They played into St Mirren's hands because St Mirren have a, a very very good midfield, and they were very narrow. And the Celtic didn't they didn't have pace. The only real the only real um, width they were getting was from John Joe Kenny, who who I thought was excellent throughout. He was a real bright spot, not just going forward but he was he, he made one very telling and uh, very telling block uh, defensively and just throughout looks like a very very good player then Lennon changes it for the last 20 minutes um Christie comes on they get a bit of width they get a bit of pace uh, and they they looked like they looked like the the team that he he hopes they'll be um so yeah, and ultimately, blue mother, uh, blue uh, Saint Mirren away scored a couple of really nice goals late on, and put a lot of gloss on the on the scoreline. Very very strange game though to to sort of pick the bones out of. Yeah, because I thought the, the the first half was was quite bizarre. That I think both um, Saint Mirren would have been quite happy with their entire performance right until they got to the last third which was uh, very different than when it was at Parkhead because they were able to put everything together. I know me, me and you spoke on about that podcast, Tom, and they were getting it into the strikers' feet and they were all playing off them and they were playing quite intricate football through the middle. In this game, they were they were frustratingly giving the ball away a lot. So it was like almost like two teams that, that didn't want to win, but they probably both felt like they, they had the other team at arm's length. 
Um, I thought it was quite a bizarre first half. And then with Tom Rodgick, Craig, I, what, me and you were talking off air about the goal. Uh, how did you see Tom Rodgick's goal? Which was, I think mo- anyone would have noticed that it was, a, it was a vintage Tom Rodgick goal for a start. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I was kind of half watching because um, in order to um, tell myself to sit and watch the, the Kelly game, not quite in peace because I still had my, my daughter with me for a wee while, but, but then I'm like, right, well, I, I can't sit and watch two games of football now with a child around the house. So I had I was kind of half viewing it. And so on the first couple of viewings of it, when I was talking to you, I think you, you were kind of saying maybe Shognessy should have done more than that at the time, thought, thought he, he was just unlucky. But I, I think I see where you're coming from now in the sense that he is very slow to react to the ball going to Rogic in the first place, or even going from kind of going back to Kenny and then where it comes across. I think Shognessy is more worried about Edward at the time. He's more worried about the ball going into you know going into Edward's feet, and he's he's wanting to help. He's um, I'm trying to think who was playing and McCarthy, wasn't it? Who was in the centre yeah. of the defence uh, that was that was marking um, Edward? And I think he wants he's thinking because you know what Edward's like that if the ball goes into his feet and he turns. McCarthy will well I can be there and, and you know do something but he ends up being so deep as a result that he's then slow to get out to Rogic he does everything right once he gets there he shuts out the angle so much and he does actually I think you can see if the angle behind the goal he does actually get a wee a wee nick on the ball um, when he, I think he maybe gets a, a touch on it and, and I think that may actually be what takes it away from the keeper ultimately but any other player in the league, maybe with the exception of Ryan Christie, is is not scoring that goal. Um, and so it's hard to be too critical of him because you can see exactly what he's trying to do. But ultimately, probably if he's a bit more proactive in his defending and goes out and presses the ball maybe quicker, maybe Rogic doesn't get the shot away. But then maybe he shifts it five yards to somebody else and they batter it into the net anyway yeah. so who knows yeah I just thought that he was he was so deep and he, he, he was he was slow to react to the fact that Dermis was getting nowhere near Roger. Roger sort of goes past him uh, and then it's sort of Shognessy has is, is too slow to get out there to, to make that block but there's one of the negative sides I mean as I was saying Tom the last time we were talking about the positives of Dermis and the bravery of Dermis and Connolly playing playing his wing backs, but there we saw sort of the negatives of of having Dermis in that left wing back role. Yeah, I, I don't. You can see why that Price and Merrin basically just went for the same sort. I mean, different personnel, but you can see why they went for the same system. Um, well, they went for the same system again, and they they had their opportunities. The 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 big one shortly after Rogic scores is is where Connolly. Looks like he's through, and Kenny makes an exceptional, uh, an exceptional challenge. Um, and at that point, it's a real contest. And I think the the one of the big differences, but from there were there were sort of two big differences in in Celtics um, from in Celtic sports. One, they actually had centre backs on, and I'm not just being unkind to Neil Beaton because we did get a cameo from from Duffy reminding us why he's not been starting. Um, but also Scott Brown, who actually had a very, very good game and gave them a bit more control um, what, like, at the heart of the midfield, you know, more more touches than anyone else in the, um, the Celtic side, second most interceptions on the pitch, and he was forcing the interceptions as well. So at that point, we've got a bit of a game. It, 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 the, entire, the entire game hinges on the, the penalty decisions, though. And... For me, it is an outrageous dive. 
Yeah, well, we've got we've got a we've got a qualified referee sitting with us. How was what was your viewpoint on that, Craig? Uh, it's uh, it's Greg Taylor, so I'm not going to be too uh, critical of him. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not a penalty. He, he, he very it was very similar to to I think similar and even less of a penalty than the Ajeti one last week, and that he's been cute and he's anticipating what's coming, and then he gets he gets touched. And uses that as kind of to, to go down, and um, ultimately it's um, it's not a penalty, but for the second week running, it's, it's been given at a, a critical time in the game, and they sense Celtic are a goal up, but not completely out of sight in the game. Um, I think, as Tom said, they, they, they were better in the second half, Celtic, but they weren't exactly all over St Mirren or anything of the sort until that went to 2-0. Um, now, you'd have question marks about St Mirren in terms of how easily their head went down after the penalty does go in. But, yeah, it, it's 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 not... There's not um, a trip there that would make it a foul. As I say, people talk about, well, there, there was a bit of contact, but there's nothing in the rules that you go through the laws of the game. There's not a bit that says, a bit of contact, therefore it's a foul. People make contact with each other all the time on the park, and it, it doesn't have to be a foul there. And... It, it's a it's a game changing decision in that sense, and you can understand why it's been given. But ultimately, they they've got the the rub of the green for the the second week running. Um, then obviously then we had the, the there was a Christie come on, and then the avalanche of goals if you like came for after that. And now I'm wondering the sort of Celtic of uh, Lennon sort of stuck with this diamond. Uh, Pretty, pretty feverishly uh, over the last uh, since since he come across it and it and it has rendered better results and we've had sort of Edward and Griffiths uh, rolling back the years playing together and now we had a jetty sort of finding his feet again and finding a, getting a goal last week and playing but now this sort of makes that the 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 four two three one instantly springs to mind now uh, with a jetty dropping out Edward starting. to Slowly but surely coming back to his best. He's certainly playing his best football of the season in the last month. Uh, and now when you saw how the vibes, if you like, and Neil Lennon is a vibes manager, of course, uh, with Rodjick, Turnbull and Christie and the way they were able to link together, the enjoyment, uh, the way that they, they sort of are able to just play off each other and, and understand the movement and understand where each other are meant to go and play one-touch football. And as Tom said earlier, that was the first time we've seen um, Celtic almost in, in, in a long time looking like these guys were enjoying their football. Do we get to a stage where that's what, what's do we feel that'll be what comes next week, Tom? That we'll be seeing Roderick Turnbull and Christie together and behind Edward? I, I mean, it should be from a Celtic perspective, it absolutely should be. I mean, the, the, the difference was night and day. Um, I, I think that. It, a jetty was was not involved at all. He touched the ball less than Scott Bain, and that's in a team that won four nil. Like just not. I, I don't know what. I'm not sure what he's bringing to that team. And and if you can't play, like I I, I have no I have no doubt he's they've seen something in him somewhere. But he he can't play as the lone striker. We can we, we can fairly safely say that he yeah. can't play as the lone striker. And if the players. Like and if he if he requires another for, player up, up beside him, then you're not. I don't really know if you're you're fit for purpose because the Celtic's problem this season has not has been not being able to get their best players on the pitch at the same time for you know any number of reasons, form and other reasons. 
Ryan Christie is one of their better players. As soon as Ryan Christie comes on, David Turnbull sprung into life. You got so much more from from Rogic. You could see, like even they were all playing off off of each other. And I I just don't I don't really understand why you're you're trying to accommodate. Ajay. Still going back to things that, like, the, 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 I mean, we, we've talked about this numerous times. That this entire squad was built to fit into that system mm-hmm. over the last four or five years, regardless of, of um, like, the, the various matches was built built to fit the sort of system. For this for this season, they've tried two different sorts of systems that just don't fit fit the personnel, and largely because you're Celtic and you've got better players. You're gonna, you're still gonna win games, but you're gonna be in battles like they were in the first half when Saint Mirren, who have a very tight midfield, and I, I think worth absolutely highlighting that their, their midfield, the the three that um, Jake Doyle, Hayes, Ryan Flynn, and especially uh, Ethan Erdogan, who I thought was is like so mature. Mm-hmm. He I mean he 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 was he was exceptional. I think the second. The second most challenges, the player who put in the second most challenges in the pitch was was uh, John Joe Kenny who put in three. Erehon put on eight. Like he he just had just got such an engine. He was brilliant. The problem is if you are trying to shoehorn in players and you're trying to fit, a, you're trying to find the, the the you've got an ideal of what you want to do rather than trying to to get the most out of the players that you've got. You're going to get into these wars, and. It's all, it was almost like a perfect science experiment because it's it's one nil and it's a dogs of war battle until you yes you get the rub of the green with the penalty and 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 Smirin's heads go down but just everything opened up it was an entirely different game for the last minute not just not just that like Smirin don't roll over I mean uh, only I think there's only other than Rangers and Celtic in the time that Goodwin's been there, there's only maybe four or five teams that've beaten them by two goals. They don't, they don't roll over, but the the change in system just opened the entire thing up. So, if if there's this dogmatic belief that that sticking with the diamond is the way to go, it's only stubbornness. It can only be stubbornness because he can't have seen Lennon cannot have seen from last night's performance that the 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 diamond has a significantly and if there's anything about it that's significantly better than 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 the four two three one. And we've got the and then upsettingly for Celtic fans, Welsh who was having a having a pretty good game, uh, and you'd arguably say that he was sort of making that centre half berth for the time being. His own along with Iart, he unfortunately gets injured, and then we'll somehow even in a four nil game. Duffy comes on and still gives us all a bit of a laugh by making a, a huge error that nearly cost them a goal. And now I suppose they're going to have to go back to Duffy uh, and play him, which I suppose is a positive for, for everyone else. Um, and St Mirren, in terms of talking of injuries there, Craig, um, McGrath going off so early. Uh, is, I don't know, I've not seen anything. Is there any indication of how long he'd be out for? I'm not seeing anything, but the it, I think it, it makes a difference to their game plan during the game. He's such a such a good player, and he's a perfect player for this type of game because he's he's got ability and work rate. And when you but when you set up your team and you tell you tell them how to play, and then you you lose a crucial player after 20 minutes, and of course it's going to um, in a in a game like that is it's going to disrupt you. And I thought it was a credit to them that for the remain the like even when he when he went off, they didn't. 
they didn't get much worse, um, which is is a, I think a big positive. As I said more positives for seventy minutes for St Mirren, and then and then some kind of big negatives later on. But he would be if they want to kind of get this top six spot. And well, St Mirren have, have never finished in the top six since that came in, so it's a massive deal for for that club. Um, then they would want him back as soon as possible. I think because. Yeah, they, they managed to cope to some extent without him yesterday, but games going forward, he's a, he's a dangerous player. Yeah, he's, he's, he's possibly been one of the best players outside the old, old firm, I would say, over the last three months. That would certainly be my opinion, uh, and anyone would miss him. And like you said, that, that energy and work rate coupled with uh, ability and then set-piece ability as well. He's just a guy that carries a hell of a lot of weapons that um, regardless of who they play up front, be it a beaker, be it they play in a two and they bring Brophy in, I think everyone will want to be playing uh, with McGrath. Um, but let's let's get mucky, guys. Let's get our hands dirty and let's get down and dirty with Derek McInnes' Aberdeen. We've got Tom Watt here. What's going on? This is the form, and, and is it fair to say? <laughs> and is it fair to say, Tom? This is probably the weakest Derek McInnes has looked in his eight years at Aberdeen. Uh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly the weakest uh, that he's looked. I mean, there's never really been, there's never really been, there's been, there's been periods of people questioning the, the the tactics or the questioning the run of results, but there has never been an indication for any sustained period that he would be replaced. There has been speculation that he may go elsewhere, but it's never been that he's been replaced. And having the most vote of confidence, vote of confidence, you know, an old-fashioned... an old-fashioned <laughs> we-back-the-manager press release going out that... that and I mean, I'm choosing to take it at face value, and that they genuinely are going to see where things are at the end of the season, and and will back him until such a point as either he turns it around or or something goes horrendously wrong. It, it it's the the that entire press conference. It's it's one of the only press conferences. It's one of the only press releases. One of the only. Um, notes from a club that I read entirely in Dave Cormack's voice, which I think is kind of quite telling over where it's all coming from. And uh, and it's all tied to his his vision of the club and his 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 plans for what comes next. And McInnes is vulnerable. Um, one win in eight. I mean, I think four wins in the last 15 and things haven't been great for for a wee while now. Um, I think that he's he's been there a very long time. He had five, I think you could say five very good seasons, which has given him a, a, an awful lot of leeway and a lot of a lot of credit in the bank. But it's been the last. I mean, regardless of what happens this season, it, Unless something miraculous happens, it will be three where things haven't haven't been great. There's been lots of you know loads of positives for for um, during his time, but three pretty poor seasons, one win in eight, and the football itself don't necessarily don't suggest that he, he there's like this bright glowing future that he can turn it all around. He has had bad runs before and has managed to turn it around. This time feels different. 
it doesn't feel different, Tom, because um, of things that are maybe out with his control. Um, so we see that so the whole attacking part of Aberdeen is 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 sort of been completely switched round for a range of different reasons. He's seen Scott Wright signed a pre-contract. I imagine was angling for a move. I'm happy to be. Um, corrected on that but I would assume with signing a pre-contract you're starting to angle for a move and also think it's important to Scott Wright that he gets to Rangers now because this will be a big chance once they win the league for him to prove that he is a Rangers player and then sort of overnight we've, we've, we've lost Ryan Hedges for the rest of the season who's arguably Aberdeen's best forward player and then Cosgrove that money was too good to turn down and also Cosgrove hasn't really been able to hit the heights once again in this new shape that Aberdeen go with and obviously earlier in the season we lost Marley Watkins uh, for, for the rest of the season who, who'd looked like a, a really good pickup. So do you think that's a big part of the reason that he's struggling or do you think it's deeper than that? Um, there's definitely been uh, there's definitely been misfortune this season. Players missing for large chunks uh, of the season, and um, and and people. I mean, like, even like Greg Lee is out for the rest of the season. Apparently, like it's not a star performer by any means, but um, that has has added some versatility. But I think it would be disingenuous to think that's the root of the problem. The 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 three best players you know the, the the big positive from the sort of two months when the football was good um were hedges um scott wright uh, and marley watkins none of them were expected to start the season i mean watkins was brought in effectively as an emergency cover because cosgrove and uh, a very good emergency cover but was brought in an emergency cover because um cosgrove was injured uh, and main was injured for what looked like it would be several months to start with. Nobody really expected Scott Wright, having been out all of last season injured and being sent on loan to Dundee the, the, the season previously to to be a big, you know, a big player this season. And while Ryan Hedges has always had ability, he's been very inconsistent and was in and out of the team. Um, so, so so you look at that as a that he'd already had a portion of luck falling across this so it, it can't really it, it wasn't by design really that he, he come across the, the positive periods of the season I think that's fair and I think that the 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 way that it's been set up this season like the the so much of it like I'll I'll, I'll start again I, I think that a large a large amount of the problem this season especially and to a lesser extent last season the tactics have been found out it it's always hard to tell what system McInnes is going to play. Like he's gone with variations this season of the back three, the four two three one, four three three, and the players themselves have to be flexible. Like Connor McLennan has been a wing back, a number ten, and the number nine in the last three games. But the strategy, regardless of that, is always the same. It's get the ball out wide, get into the box, cause problem at set pieces. That like f- five years ago, that was. Plan A was that, like high press and counter. Plan B was go long. Now everyone's playing a, a high press. So there only really is this plan B. And this season, they've he, he's kind of... I mean, he's, he's tried the back three several times and never really it's never really worked. And he's always gone back to, to, to a back four. This season, maintaining the back three. And if the system is meant to be to get 
to almost have like a second wave of wings of wingers of second additional wave of width that try saying that quickly several times <laughs> um the the squad's not really set up for it so like johnny hayes is still one of the most creative players in the division still weighs in with goals and he's he's the only option at left left wing back or right wing back occasionally so the the most for a team that is desperately struggling to score goals at the moment McLennan, McGinn, to a lesser extent McGinn, but certainly Kennedy, McLennan and, and Hayes are expected to probably 60%, 60-70% of the time be spending it in defensive positions. And I I just think that, that there, there's not been a... There, there's not been a, a squad built to switch between formations. There's not been... Um, even going back to the, like the the very early days when there was a real success, the the plan was always get it wide, get it in, have a man to finish it off. the The difference was back then there was a Peter Pollitt or a McLean or a Christie or a Madison who was playing as a as a ten. Who, if you want to be occupied and double up on the wide men, there's going to be a massive hole in the middle. That there isn't that this season. So the the, the squad building itself has been a problem. Craig, I just wanted to bring you in here because I wanted to look at it from sort of an outsider's perspective. Um, I was looking at it similar to, to maybe something I was saying about Jack Ross before is that results were good, but some of the fans weren't so happy about the uh, style of play at times. And obviously with Hibs getting knocked out of those two semi-finals in quick succession, and then you start losing the, the big games, but you are still high in the table, which, which Aberdeen are. They are high in the table and they still look like they, they're, they're good for a for a European spot. And I mentioned at the time, I was saying, is, is that enough? Because especially if the football isn't great, then if you're not winning those big games, these wins away at Rugby Park, no no disrespect, uh, away <laughs> at, at, at New Douglas Park, uh, they, they sort of don't seem as... Um, is, is important, but do you, as I said, does, does he deserve to be in that position when we're about to, he's probably looking at maybe hitting another season where he finishes in the top four with obscene sort of consistency and like that. And Aberdeen weren't like that before McInnes arrived. Yeah, I think there's a distinction to be made there in the sense that where Aberdeen are now is night and day compared to when they took over. So Derek McInnes, regardless of what happens from now on, deserves a lot of credit for that because he's he's turned the club around and made them back to, you know, they, they are the third force in Scottish football. You know, yeah, this probably will be the, the third season that they won't finish third, but given the consistency, because the other teams that have finished um, have finished third have, have then dropped off or have been much lower in the other seasons. So that consistency has been there. But the, the problem is Aberdeen have, have got, I think, by some distance, the third biggest wage bill they've earned that right they've been able to build that up by having that success but it does mean that well finishing fourth three years in a row is a failure um, so so there's a balance to be struck there is finishing a one place below where you're expected to be three years running enough to get sacked I don't know I, I really rate him as a manager I think the level of consistency that he's had with Aberdeen over such a sustained period of time it's certainly unprecedented in my time watching Scottish football. I mean, yeah, years ago in the you know in the eighties and stuff, Aberdeen were were winning titles. Dundee United were winning titles. Hearts were were getting close to winning titles. But that hasn't been the case in, in the entire time I've been watching football. And you've had managers who've had little spells 
of being good, but to be consistently getting the points tallies that he has is is excellent. But people don't remember high points tallies and they don't remember finishing third. They remember the trophies which he hasn't won. And to, to only to only take a single league cup from, from all the time that they've had that the dominance, yes, they've been unlucky because it's been a spell where Celtic have won everything and they've just constantly played Celtic in these big games and they've, they've beat other teams most of the time in the big games, not every single one of them, but mostly they've, they've been able to get the better of everyone else. Um, but they keep coming up against Celtic and, and being unable to do anything with it. The, the concern I have, and it doesn't mean they would be wrong to get rid of him, but but I am 95% certain that when Aberdeen empty Derek McInnes, the next manager, will do worse than him. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean they'd be wrong to get rid of him, but I think when he does leave, whoever comes in will, will probably make them worse. Um, just, just, it's just a sense, I get, especially if someone like Cormac's in charge, I think he'll try to impose his own style on it and I, and I think that won't work. I think there's an, that, 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 there is, that is the sort of, that is the X factor in this. Um, where where do you, uh, I mean, I, I still hope there is, a, you know, a massive turnaround and everything clicks, but it doesn't look like that's the way that things are going to go. I mean, it, it, it's a young squad. It, average age is only 24. There are still good players in it. Um, but it it needs an overhaul and needs an overhaul this summer. And, and I think the to almost go back to what we were saying about Tommy Wright, like if if Killy have a, a a few bad games, you still believe that like you don't get rid of your manager because you because of you a few bad games, you get rid of your manager because you don't believe that in a year's time you're going to be better off than you are at the moment. And for five years, it felt like every single year it was progress. It was progress. It was progress. It was, progress, it was you know. I, so we couldn't figure out how to beat Brendan Rodgers Celtic. Nobody could. So we didn't make the Europa League. Yeah, we got knocked out by like Sociedad and Burnley and, and were unlucky against Maribor. It still felt like progress every year. At the moment, it's felt like a regression every few years. The 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 danger and the X factor is who who are the obvious candidates? It's not like a normal... It's not a, a run-of-the-mill job. It's a very, very well-paid job, not just in Scottish football and the, the, the whole of UK football. Do you involve people at Atlanta United? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? And there's also this X factor that like McInnes has been there for eight years. Like he's He is... He is in the ingrained in every single part of the football club, rightly or wrongly. Like he, he's involved in player the the scouting, the marketing, the comms. The the players like him, regardless of of form or anything like that. If if there's a a change, you either have somebody who you either have to have somebody who's going to be such a force of personality that they can deal with all of that, or you probably have to hire three or four people to to take up all the different things that, that you didn't even know he was involved in. So yeah, a, a real, it is not an, it, normally when there's managers under pressure, there is a very obvious candidate who you're like that, that, you know, that the thought that that guy's out of work means that that adds a, additional pressure. This time there's not like Cormac could, uh, it, I, I mean, I was joking with people today that, my my feeling is either there will be 
a, a press conference where there needs to be an interpreter for someone who's won the Paraguayan Premier League, or we're going to get somebody who's talking about how the, the merits of Johnny Hayes seeing out his career as a libero and uh, some sort of like <laughs> wild tactical. So uh, th- there isn't an obvious there isn't an obvious successor waiting in the wings. So there is, I mean, he still has the job and he's, I genuinely, I'm, I'm choosing to take the press conference, uh, the, um, the, the press statement at face value. And the, and I think Dave Cormack has announced there will be a live kind of Q and a, which I imagine will be quite revealing next week about everything, especially because it'll, it'll come hot on the heels of the, of the St. Mirren game, which is now a very, very big game. It is. It is not an. It's a very strange position for a, a Scottish club to be in because the, the, there are. It's a big, big, big job for someone, and it pays very, very well. Which should mean there are stranger and more um, qualified candidates than we might get elsewhere. But I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. But it's bloody exciting, Tom, isn't it? And maybe it's terrifying. That's what, yeah, and that maybe, but you've been always this talk about Aberdeen being a bit boring for a long period under McInnes. So, uh, rightly or wrongly, this is what we all want. And maybe a change at Aberdeen, whether it works or not, doesn't fucking bother the rest of us. And it would be really good fun uh, to see if the Paraguayan a manager from the Paraguayan League came in. That all <laughs> you, you've really you really sold it to me the minute you done it there, and I'm very keen. And it could. Unfortunately for McInnes, it, it could be the worst year not to finish third because even though it might be a different tournament, this conference one, but you're getting straight into the playoff, most likely with the Scottish Cup being won by Celtic or Rangers, or you'd argue it'll probably be won by Hibs or Aberdeen if it's if it's not going to be Rangers-Celtic. You, do you know what I mean? So it is likely that third place is going to bring you that guaranteed football, uh, European football till Christmas, which would be great. For, for whoever gets it and it would be typical after all these close close runs at getting there that the season that he gets binned would be the one where he's guaranteed a playoff at least in the Europa League and then obviously guaranteed that uh, European football till Christmas which has been what he's been sort of focused and driven by I imagine uh, for, for the whole time he's been Aberdeen manager um, but I think we're going to leave it there, guys. All right, so um, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks very much for listening to us. I hope you enjoyed it. We are going to go over to Patreon and me, Tom and Craig are going to be talking about sort of overs and unders with, with Tommy Wright joining Kilmarnock and everyone obviously being on the same page, which is unusual, that that is the correct appointment. We're going to go over to Patreon and talk about managers that we were so certain were going to go well but went tits up. And we're also going to talk about managers that we had no expectation of who became sort of the who done bloody A-OK. So, Tom, say goodbye to our listeners. Goodbye. Thank you for having me. And Craig, same again. Thanks very much and see you later. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.